But the main reason I would be putting Unai Emery down tonight is because Chelsea battered us. Chelsea completely outplayed us. They exploited our weaknesses. And Pochettino is a loser. Like <laughs> Tim Sherwood here. You're listening to the Villa Podcast. If it stung to know Everton, Burnley, Fulham all at home were what stood in the way of Villa in the League Cup semi-final, imagine the pain of realising Middlesbrough, Chelsea and Leeds at home were between us and an FA Cup quarter-final. Out of the cup, thumped at home again, played nothing until we were 3-0 down again. <laughs> and we got a glimpse of what the future could look like with a backline of Cash, Carlos, Longley and Moreno. <laughs> not, not that it would have been that hard to imagine, let's be honest. I don't like 2024, Liam. <laughs> <laughs> I think we talked about how there seemed to be like a few weeks ago, seemed to be a no culture or a culture of no dickheads settling into this club. When you can fucking forget about that, you wouldn't be able to pick out the Villa player amongst a lineup of fucking purple dildos the way they're playing tonight. They weren't <laughs> they weren't running for each other, didn't have the courage to receive the ball, didn't have the courage to thread a pass. It was fucking pointless. At least dildos are useful. At least dildos bring pleasure. But of course, you don't need a dildo if you support Aston Villa because this club fucks us often enough. Like This was so grim that whenever we went 3-0 down, I was actually thinking, right, at least now we'll play a bit of ball. And then Matt... <laughs> Matt Holland or Andy Townsend said Chelsea Weller the storm and Martin Tyler said it was more like a passing shower a yep. shower of bastards were the words he left unspoken like, Emery, Emery has relied on a deflected Matty Cash hack to give him his only win in six domestic cup games against Middlesbrough like we, like we should have we've been we've been dumped out of the cups easily as well I should say by 10 hags Man United Stevenage, Everton, and Maurizio Pochettino's <laughs> Chelsea. <laughs> Unrecognisable from what it can be sometimes, for what it was for so long. Too slow on the ball, too passive without the ball. Like you say then, boys, just... It, do you remember when we were laughing at the start of the season, thinking, are we just going to get to play this way again and it's going to work? And it doesn't look like it's ever going to work ever again because now suddenly that four four two shape out of the ball looks really bad. And I can't put my finger on why, but it has to just be the... It has to just be the malaise that sets through the team when we don't have everybody that we need to play the way we have to play. Like We, we all know that we need those guys who can play ball, the back stepping out. We all know that we need fast players in the back with that confidence to step up then as well, that can squeeze up the pitch. So then it just festers throughout everything else that we do, and that includes on the ball then, and then we start seeing the stuff that we talk about far too often, that we start panicking, we start giving up, we start not playing until we're 3-0 down, like you say, and it's just never feels like we're going to shake ourselves out of it when we get into that phase. We played three types of passes today. Carlos to the advertising hoardings, Longley oh. to the fucking clouds, and Kamara to Chelsea. That was the three passes that, that I can remember happening during that game, and they fucking happen fairly often. Yeah, well, you've teed it up nicely. Let's get into the first goal and the winner of the Peter Rinkleman What the Fuck Award. Or is it? I mean, it's Bubakar Kamara. It's, it's a Conor Gallagher goal, but we're just so slow on the ball. Kamara is... He, 
it looks like he's trying to figure out what to do and by the time he does figure out what to do the best thing he can come up with is try to pass a ball through a blue jersey in such a <laughs> tight area such a tight area as well Matt Cash is up the pitch that means that means Nicholas Jackson can set off on Diego Carlos with, with all the freedom of the left wing to do that he cuts in eventually comes back to Conor Gallagher and he lifts him into the top corner it's so easy for Chelsea and it's all from a mistake from Bubakar Kamara giving the ball away. Like, let's, and he does this every other game, it seems, nowadays. <laughs> and he does it 15 times tonight as well. Like, yeah. it's, it's almost like he didn't want to offend either Cash or Bailey, so he decides to play it in between them and let them figure it out. Unfortunately, there were two players standing in between them as well. But then, <laughs> M- Matty Cash's defensive instincts... Like his parents must have helicoptered him during his infancy. Like Every surface was lined with foam. Every toy was covered in bubble wrap. He hasn't a fucking clue about danger. He can't sense it. He can't react to it. Kamara ends up running past him too late. But it's only because he, he realizes, oh shit, Cash isn't going to bother getting back here. Like yeah. Sometimes the danger is where the ball is. Matt Cash <laughs> looks up and sees Diego Carlos with Nicholas Jackson and thinks, fine, Go to the ball. Like the, the danger is where the ball is, particularly when it's in your fucking six-yard mm. box. Squeeze Jackson there. At the very least, let me know that you care about playing for Aston Villa. Let me know you think the bare minimum you should be doing every game to earn your hundred grand a week is to run. You fucking, you're partly to blame for this. Where the fuck were you running to whenever Kamara tried to scoop that forward for one? But you're running into two Chelsea players and Bailey. Wait and just get the ball back off Kamara. You've given him a shit pass. And if you do lose it, when he does lose it, which he's obviously going to fucking do tonight, get back, pal. Don't stand in the middle of the box watching to see what Jackson can do. I know you're probably expecting him to lose the ball, but get back and make sure he does. Yeah, well, let's go back a second because you've touched on something I want to talk about. Is they, they mentioned it in commentary that Jackson's getting more space on the left wing because Matt Cash is bombing forward. And I was thinking, Matt Cash is bombing forward. He hasn't done anything. I wouldn't mind if he was on the ball doing something ever going forward. Like so We were just sacrificing another defender just to send to Carlos and Longley. You're all right. You're fine back there. And Matt Cash was doing nothing in return at the other side of the pitch. It's strange because he has asked Matt Cash to 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 play as the the, the third centre half. He's asked him to play that role last year. He stepped in. He's played alongside. Was it Carlos and Conza and Mings? I think at some stage he played the back three with us and let Moreno mm. go forward. So I don't know why he was he's so reluctant to do. It. I don't know why he ripped up the entire the, the entire picture book of what we did against Sheffield United to to do this, to do whatever this unbalanced nonsense was. You cannot play like this with Carlos and Longley as your two centre-halves. The second goal. Imagine Nicholas Jackson scoring against you. <sighs> you know, and, 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 and again, the problems that we have, and we're going to continue to have, but Moreno is trying to play Gusto offside as he's coming down the right. Longley isn't having any of that. Longley can't take a look. <laughs> Of trying to play anybody onside. Doesn't communicate this Moreno now. The line's all over the shop. Longley's trying to give himself 10 yards. Not that it's going to matter. And then the cross, the cross comes in from Gusto. Diego Carlos doesn't want to pick anybody up. He doesn't want to go to the ball. I don't know what he's doing. Cash is there to oversee everything again. And Nicholas Jackson heads it in. I, I can't believe I'm, I'm going to talk through a Nicholas Jackson goal. Fuck me. Like when, I, when I'm on... <laughs> When I'm in work tomorrow, like, what am I going to do if somebody asked me what I was doing last night? Because 
if I tell them I'm about to talk through or I talk through a Nicholas Jackson goal, they'll either think I'm a fucking weirdo or they'll think I'm lying because they will not be able to believe that that could possibly have happened. <laughs> what sort of a fucking line was that? Like since Sky had a piece about our defensive setup, have we decided that we need to keep innovating or people will figure us out? Because if, because of this fucking shambles is the innovation, well done, because nobody will be able to figure out what the fuck that was. Jesus Christ. And why why are Carlos and Longley drifting back there? Like, I'm not asking about this specific instance. I mean, why would one drift back in general? To defend. So why does Carlos have no fucking idea where any Chelsea player is on the pitch? Why is yeah. he getting, where is he getting sucked in? He's getting sucked into Mark Longley. Isn't a clue what's behind him? And does Matt Cash think that Ben Chilwell's Buffon at the back post is the fucking danger here? Once you see your two centre half drifting off to no man's land, fucking tuck into the centre forward that's inside your six yard box. Yeah. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. And quite fittingly, the third goal is obviously a lovely free kick. But it goes over Carlos Longley and Kamara. That's not a coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> They're the three nearest on the wall. Ollie Watkins at the other side, we're going to leave him out of it. It's not a coincidence that it's those three that, that empowers that ball to do everything it needs to do to be a perfect free kick. I mean, the height, the bend, the pace, the accuracy. I mean, if anything is taken off that in any way, in the slightest, it's it's saved because Martinez has gotten up there. So we'll give Enzo Fernandez his due. It's a it's a great free kick. It's an absolutely brilliant free kick. It's it's they, they, the lads in the wall did jump. They tried to get to the ball, but he's got so much height and then dip and bend onto it that it's like yeah, it's fucking exquisite. Well done, you little shit. But the, the referee Tom Brown, I'm not sure this was a free kick. I mean this this referee is the same lad that watched Semenu swap shirts with Leon Bailey mid-game and didn't give him a yellow card. And look, I, I'm all for I'm all for this work experience program that the EPL are running, but you can't just have somebody out in the forefront of an FA Cup without being supervised. You wouldn't let somebody run around your office 
writing your little articles or whatever you do in work, you know, unless you were there holding his hand, you wouldn't just let them publish it onto your website, Conan. You would be making sure, you would give it a bit of quality assurance. You can't have fucking Tom Bramble refereeing a game on his own. <laughs> yeah, and then the fourth and final goal, of course we got going, and we got our goal at Villa Park. What a brilliant record. And... Uh, <laughs> It's a nice goal as well. I mean, it's hard to take any joy from it, really, because it seemed like the only joy I was getting was, you know, it, it, I wasn't getting any joy from this match, but I was getting the joy when we were 3-0 down that we actually had the ball again and we were attacking a little bit and the game was over and I didn't have to worry about any longer. <laughs> <laughs> and it's Diaby, which is probably one positive. We have seen him score recently enough throughout this bad enough run and hasn't done much, but I thought he was decent today when he came on and this is a, a Douglas Louise ball sort of pulls it back to Ramsey who cuts it back and Cash does well to step over it initially I'm wondering what are you doing because it doesn't seem like there's enough pace on it but Diaby gets on the end of it and he pulls it off the post and look if we were in better form if Villa played better we would be raving about this goal but unfortunately it meant really little tonight Jacob Ramsey giving himself plenty of practice of pulling the ball back as well seeing as that's all he did after he came onto the fucking pitch and I wonder if Matty Cash leave it because he just assumed uh, Dougie Louise is going to be behind him because that was the only fucking pass Jacob Ramsey played after he came onto the pitch and look when it comes to the Abbey am I certain he was just placing that in the corner I'm more likely to believe based on the way Aston Villa played tonight than based on the way the Abbey's been playing recently that he's just absolutely hooked the ball and ankled it into the bottom corner for Judas well, that's great. Thanks for taking away the one positive I had from the night. <laughs> Going to take a break because I need it. We'll come back after this. We're going to start with the thoughts of the Villa podcast. Maybe it was just because I really didn't want to fucking lose to Leeds United. The lifting up of Patrick Bamford with one hand, I did enjoy that because Patrick Bamford is an unlikable character and he's probably been a bit of a twat to Tyrone Mings all game. He's nothing like that either, is he? He's a real. He's like if you. He's an uh, unlikable character. Like one of he's put on a foot. Patrick Bamford can't skin you. It's, it's not. It's not. He's not that type of player. It's not any game. Somebody put on a foot there. I felt all the pain. I imagine I probably sound as much of a, a biased, one-eyed idiot. Block the fucking shot. It was a fucking disaster. I did quite enjoy the hopelessness of their their grief with it. Those other still have it. Not that it fucking mattered anyway. Sure, we were beaten anyway. Not that it fucking mattered anyway. Villa was shite. Like there's there's nothing but space. Leeds are going to be spanked a few times this season. Make no mistake about that. I mean. They're, they're really well coached, they're really aggressive, they're really adventurous, but the players are shit. <laughs> the, the key line is that we're, we're well coached um, and very aggressive, but our players are shit. They're not either. They're not shit. I mean, that was great. That did have everything. Only downside, those Brummy accents, though. Really go through you, don't they? Shorter midweek podcast tonight. We will be back on Monday after United match. So bear with us on that one. The game's obviously Sunday evening, but we'll be podcasting on Monday. And we're not going to go through 
the whole shebang today, but we will touch on a lot of stuff. And there's a lot of WhatsApp wins just finds really to be handed out because now Jack on Twitter makes the point. I mean, we need to start finding like finding lads for needlessly standing on the ball and slowing everything down. And, and that is infuriating. He's right. But then Diego Carlos takes that as a challenge and half an hour into the game, the crowd are getting annoyed at the tempo of it as well. They're getting annoyed at watching Villa players stand on the balls or trailing. So Carlos just lashes one out the far side of the post, like he said at the top of the show, into the advertising hoarding. And that was one time Carlos did that. Carlos also conceded an unnecessary corner when the ball was just rolling to him. So I'd be all over him for that on a normal day. And then Matt Cash, to double up on these two boys, both of them getting double fined tonight. Matt Cash just dribbled the ball out of play at one stage. And if you thought that was bad enough, you thought that was bad enough. Telemann touches the ball to him and he let it go under. He stuns him out for a throw-in. It was absolutely pathetic from the two boys tonight. Yeah, the, the Diego Carlos one. I mean, that was that that, that was like a, a stretched out version of Ollie Watkins' attempt at lob there at the weekend. It was fucking... It's nowhere near an Aston Villa player. He has absolutely wellied that. And even yeah. even if that stays in play, he's asked Ollie Watkins to run 50 yards across the pitch to pick the ball up with the fucking corner flag. It was completely pointless. And there wasn't a, and I, and even a hint of an Aston Villa player being anywhere near it. Much like there wasn't a fucking hint of a Chelsea player being anywhere near him whenever the ball came rolling to his left foot in the box. <laughs> what a fucking gimme. Take a touch, pal. Turn around and hoof that up to the other corner flag, not towards our own. You fucking yeah. fell in. Let's do the Ronnie Rossenthal award. Tielemans passed to Leon Bailey and he's got all the space in front of him and he just rolls it. He just rolls it to Ben Chilwell instead. <laughs> and, then, and then Bailey had two attempts after... This was the Moreno drive up pitches is after Chelsea's first goal and the first one gets blocked down as he comes across the box and he gets the second one, it sits up for him and he just pulls it straight at the goalkeeper and Watkins let one fly shortly after that on the half volley. We were sort of showing a half interest to get back into the match but it quickly died to death there. Yeah, they were both fairly emblematic of our performance we played well at the start of the match for about five minutes we played well for about five minutes after we scored we played well for about five minutes after we went three nil down just at the start of the match as well there was two moments as well like if, if these go in it's a different game obviously but we fucking didn't because we cocked them up there was one mcginn runs down the wing and like i haven't built a, a career in classical mechanics or anything but this this was a picture book example of the principle of inertia where he stops his body and his arse just which is Attached to, but completely independent of his body, keeps moving and takes him through Gusto. And then he dinks the ball into the box. We didn't get a replay of it, but it was such a big chance. And no Villa player was able to get in the end of it. It was terrible. Cash Cash dinked one into Moreno as well. And then Moreno tries to play a header back to a fucking figment of his imagination. It's a brilliant pass from Cash to give him his credit. Left foot across into the back post. Stick your fucking noggin on that, Moreno. If, like, yeah. if that's your decision-making capability, trying to pull that back for Watkins, you have nothing to worry about losing here. You've got nothing inside your skull, so fucking stick your head on it and try to score a goal. And I think Watkins wasn't happy with him as well. It didn't come across the goals. Some Chelsea chances too. Kamara gave the ball away to Gallagher and then Maduiki gets a, a break on Longley, which is always great to see from an Aston Villa point of view. Longley won on one of the players. It's a horrible wide, to be fair. 
And then Cole Palmer had a shot pretty easy for Martinez in the end. But, I mean, Madureke just shook off Watkins and then just brushed by Douglas Louise, which was really worrying. And, <laughs> and then, I mean, it's really annoying when you play so badly and you want to... Like you miss these opportunities to just poke fun at the opposition for probably doing the worst things of the night, like Ben Chilwell's foul through. I mean, if, if, if we hand out weeks' wages fines for all these things that we point out, I mean, a foul through should be a year's wages fine, and Chilwell just loses the ball, gives the ball back to Villa in the process because it's a foul through, and then Matt Cash, the throw-in master, takes it off him, steals 10 yards, and just launches it at Watkins, who does <laughs> so well, ages out the defender, gets to the other side of him, dinks it over a tackle, rolls it off to him again to hit bang smack down the middle. <laughs> the keeper tips it over. Yeah, Maruiki brushing brushing off um Douglas Louise really is a really, really good image of what went wrong tonight. We were playing a different game than the game that was actually on the pitch. Like Douglas Louise is trying to just control that ball, roll it in. So he's, he's playing like he's playing against Sheffield United. That's not the game that's happening here. Chelsea are all fucking over us. We can't just be backing up the players, expecting them just to step off us and pass the ball around. That's not what's happening. He's running fucking past you, mate. So run to the fucking ball, get it under control, give it to Longley, give it to Carlos so he can kick it out of play. To make it, that, that one from the foil throw, and like McGinn's effort. That tells you everything you need to know about this performance as well. Cowardice. Like he's side-footing that to keep it on target. That's his yeah. objective there. Just get it on target and hopefully it goes in. Now, I know I'd normally be the first to advocate for getting petrified involved in the game, but I would expect <laughs> I would expect John McGinn to place that. Fucking roll that in the corner. What an opportunity we've been given here. You've got loads of time. Pick a spot and put the ball there. Hmm. Well, he lost interest in getting the keeper involved in the game after that. He sliced one wide then. After he turned into trouble, this was nice work from Bailey, cutting in, cutting across the edge of the box. McGinn turns right into a tackle. He's strong enough to, to keep the ball, and then he just slices it wide. Looks like it's foul afterwards. Didn't affect his shot. And then and then he also got blocked from a Matt Cash cutback. It was actually decent from Matt Cash. Then Diaby, when I thought it wasn't going to be... An untypical Diaby night. I thought it was going to be a typical Diaby night. Did you <laughs> a ball dropped on his left foot for the volley and he shinned it wide? <laughs> yeah, McGinn from the cutbacks, the the big one here. It's, it's absolutely terrible from the captain as well. I mean, it's defended well, but with a defender diving in in front of you last, it's like that. Where's the composure? Lift the ball. You have to at least in the corner of your eye see the defender sliding across the ground, and you realize at that moment you have to get the ball off the ground. The one place you don't put that ball, it's on the fucking ground. Moreno's header, Cash's volley into the ground from the Diaby cross. Good run from Diaby initially as well from him and Ramsey. And then Tim, Tim probably with the worst one, just heads it straight at the keeper from a Moreno cross. The Moreno header shite. Moreno has loads of time at the back post. He's had loads of practice of this as well because he tried to play that shit header to Watkins at the start of the game. And then Tim's, it would have been a bit of crack if that went done, but... He has to get up so high. He can do better, not a lot better, but given given the night we were having, there is no way he was going to nut that into the bottom corner. Not a fucking hope. <laughs> I think the McGinn one's probably the worst, just because it's so it's such good work from Ollie Watkins. He tees him up perfectly. He's got space. He's at the edge of the box. It's rolling to him. It's on his left foot, and he, he Jesus, he, like like you say, it was a cowardly hit and just picked out the one spot he really shouldn't have picked out. 
Well, he didn't pick out any spot. He just put his side foot into it. It's like, get it on target, get it on target, get it on target. And once you, every time you say that to yourself, you hit the ball straight at the fucking keeper because you're yeah. looking at the middle of the net. And uh, I think they'll cut back. The one from the cutback is a bigger chance. He has to score that. Yeah. You like Glenn Whelan taking a 90-minute penalty award. Only one man I want to talk about tonight is Austin McPhee. A couple of corners that we need to get into. I think Villa had three in total. All three of them were rubbish. At least they weren't over-elaborate this time. McGinn just passed one into three Chelsea players. Just rolled it into them. And it was like they were already breaking on the counter-attack. He put it in front of them all. He go running down the pitch. And then there was a corner at the other side. I think it was from Douglas Louise. It was too low for Watkins, so he has to duck. But then... As he ducks, it's too high for a flick on. <laughs> like somebody just somebody just drilled the ball basically at, at Watkins' sternum and again straight to Chelsea players. Just just that you know, I know we slag Austin McPhee sometimes for not showing a bit of creativity, but they, these were particularly poor tonight. And that seemed to be the only thing we were doing from the right hand side as well, was swinging it into the near post. And maybe maybe you've identified something before the game that makes you think this is a really good route to scoring, and you would think Fuck it, you keep doing it even when it's not working because this is the way we've identified as the biggest chance to score. But Chelsea have identified that you're doing this now. So they're all fucking loaded at the front post and maybe stop doing it and Mm. definitely stop hitting it at fucking Ollie Watkins' belly button. The the, the corner to the four Chelsea players, I mean, Nicholas Jackson should be nominated for a a FIFA Fair Play award here. He decides to stop the counter-attack of his own volition. (laughs) I think it was because it was four on one and he felt sorry for us. And he stood in the ball and just let four Aston Villa players get back. Absolutely incredible stuff from him. And that's the type of player that we were talking about scoring against us tonight. Let's do the Vyman meter to wrap it up. The saddest thing about all this is that the one person I have going up, well, maybe I'd say Diaby should should go up considering how low he had been dropping and he came on, did all right, got a good goal. I'm going to stand by and say it was a good goal. The only <laughs> other person I have <laughs> I have going up is Ollie Watkins for blocking down Petrovic. <laughs> and the cheer from the crowd, the cheer from me, the, the interest to see where the ball went. And then I realized we're Everton. We were just slagging Everton for their kick and chase and the excitement, the, just running in after the balls, defenders were running after it. And the thing that got me most excited as Aston Villa are playing a knockout game at home was Ollie Watkins blocking down a goalkeeper's clearance. Yeah, it's absolutely pathetic. I was having a laugh on Tuesday night there playing a bit of five aside where I just forced two OGs just by running at people. That's not the level of football I expect Aston Villa to be playing. I don't expect that to be the best thing they're doing in a night out. You know, it's a midweek game, sitting down. Having a nice week, cup of tea, watching the game, and I'm the only thing. And you're right, the only reason anybody should be going anywhere near the up in this final meter is Ollie Watkins for that one moment where he ran at a goalkeeper and forced him to kick it off him. <laughs> going down on the Vyman meter. Leon Bailey, it was thrown over by Ben Chilwell every single play. And you know, at some level you have to get an order to the referee. Ben Chilwell should probably have been booked. On another level, it's like, come on, Leo, don't let him do that to you. But when I say that, Leon Bailey's reaction is to go around and square up to Ben Chilwell, waste more time, posture, you know, rather than just stop letting him throw you over or give a bit back to him. It, it reminded me of 
Do you remember he got so distracted during the Newcastle game last week, roaring and shouting at Trippier, who was just ignoring him because he had done exactly what he wanted. He won a free, and then he bought more time because all the Villa players were getting distracted and arguing with the ref, arguing with the Newcastle players, and Bailey was chief amongst them. And I just didn't like seeing him being tossed to the ground every time he got the ball. Yeah, I didn't like that as well. And he was definitely going down too easy as well. And the sort of most frustrating thing... (laughs) Now, ordinarily, the most frustrating thing would be somebody being overpowered by Ben Chilwell. But the most frustrating thing is here that Leon Bailey didn't appreciate the game he was playing. He didn't look up and see the lad in the school uniform reffing the game. He didn't realise that this was a different type of game. Because to be fair to Tom Bramall, on an other night, I would be fucking lauding him. I would be building him up. I'd be holding him up in the fucking rafters because he played a completely different type of game game to what is normally refed by Premier League referees this game was like this really was let it flow and to be honest most of them weren't actually foils we can all have a bit of crack about Tom Bramall being shit and giving dodgy (laughs) free kicks to Enzo Fernandez but he let the game flow really well and Leon Bailey should have realised that that's the game that he was now playing he wasn't in an ordinary game here this was a game that Tom Bramall had to say Tom Bramall was reffing this like a lad in the fucking power leagues that's what it was just some lad who's turned up he's just there to mark the score and then go home safely that's what he's there for that's what Tom Bramall was doing tonight like I'm not fucking watching this game fully come on lads just play a game both he's just trying to score into those two nets there that's what's happening here there are no rules just go get out there and Leon Bailey didn't fucking believe him for a second and just kept falling to the ground and looking back at him you're on a slippery slope though you sound like me the first night I stumbled across Stuart Atwell <laughs> And we all know how that ended up turning out. I mean, I was I was impressed. I was intrigued. I thought, yeah, why not have every game like this? And I forgot. <laughs> sure that well would have every game like this. But see, and maybe it's because maybe it's because I've had so much time now to recover from that depressing defeat. Because like you say, once it went 3-0, you realise, ah, I have nothing to worry about now. The worst has happened. Once it went 2-0, like you could tell Villa just weren't Villa weren't recovering from that at all. And then it was just about watching the game and figuring out what's interesting that's happening here. And the most interesting thing from an Aston Villa perspective. And I was almost a neutral at this stage once it went 2-0 to Chelsea because I knew we weren't getting back into it. The most interesting mm-hmm. thing that was happening was Tom Brummel's way, the way he was refing the game. <laughs> Going down, Kamara, I mean, all the mistakes, getting caught on the ball holding on the ball losing it directly leading to big goal scoring chances directly leading to the first goal passing the ball away not being there as a ranker not realizing Conza's not there anymore so maybe I should be helping out the boys a bit more rather than actually feeding one-on-one chances against Carlos and Longley and then <laughs> to top it all off just on the Bailey thing Kamara went down one stage and he's looking up at the ref like he runs into trouble loses the ball falls over, looks at the ref, and it takes him two seconds to realise, oh, he's really not given the free, by which stage our defensive midfielder is nowhere to be seen, as Chelsea are now going at our defenders again. This is the player I was praising for running past Matt Cash as well, so I'll tell you the overall performance of the team as well. Yeah, I don't, I don't think Kamara could have played worse. Genuinely, I don't think a centre midfielder could have a worse performance than Bobukar Kamara had tonight. He did nothing good, and he did a whole lot bad. Like, like his passing was absolutely disgraceful. His decision making of when to carry the ball was terrible. Just an all round absolute stinker of a performance. 
going down to Emery because he was talking before the game and he did it before the last round as well about the cup not being his priority, the league's his priority. He's trying to couch it a little bit the way he does mention, but he's still going to focus on the cup or I'm going to focus on this game. But basically the point he made was only one team can be happy with the cup. More than one team can be happy with how you get on in the league. I'd have to say I'd quite enjoy a run to a quarterfinal or a semi-final. I'd look back at that and be like, that was a successful cup run, which we haven't had in years and years. But people were sharing this clip because he was impassioned. And I think they didn't really listen to the words he was saying. It was basically saying, this cup is not important to me. I'm focusing on the league. And again, on one hand, that's good. Maybe you want them pushing on the league. And I know I certainly do want the league to be the priority. But the more you tell players that the cup is not important, the more you say it in the media, then it does sink in a little bit. It doesn't take much for these players to switch off, especially when they go behind as well. They're not going to try and drag it back. And I feel I feel like that was maybe the the vibe around the whole club tonight, including me as well. But it's been set from the top, and you have to wonder like why why is it not that important though? Like why could we not just focus on it a bit more, or at the very least, why could he not just? Why could he not just bat that off when it's asked of him? Just say, of course it's important. Next question. Yeah, very, very weird to bother being so honest the day before you're playing in the competition you're about to denigrate. It was it was such a strange decision. I thought I completely agree with everything he said, but why is he saying it just before he plays in the competition? He's saying that it's not important to him. And it absolutely absolutely was in the players minds it, it was in their legs they weren't running as hard as they normally yeah. do Conan. But the, the, the main reason i would be putting an emery down tonight is because chelsea battered us chelsea completely outplayed us they exploited our weaknesses and i know we're playing with a back i know that a back four that we had out injured today could be Kanza, mings pao torres and luca team that's a really good back four to not have available to you but we were ruthlessly exploited. And if, if the back four we do have has Moreno and Cash in it and has Longley and Carlos in between them, maybe you have to think about a different way to set up the defence. Pochettino thought about a way to set up to beat us tonight. And th- that is the really frustrating thing for me because I, this Pochettino lad, I mean, you had Martin Tyler there saying this is a Pochettino Spurs performance when they were challenging for the title. Like, <laughs> I, I, I'm going to speak to you on your level here for a second, Conan. I know you rep. Maurizio Pochettino, all right? <laughs> but Pochettino is a loser. Like, <laughs> half, half of his honours on his Wikipedia page are runners-up medals. Like he, he's, only, he's only won two trophies, both with PSG, across two seasons. A cup one year and the league the next year. He had a front three of the greatest player of all time, the most expensive player of all time, and the best player in the world. His biggest <laughs> achievement in England didn't even happen. People only think they run a title race with Leicester. His biggest achievement is finishing behind Claudio Ranieri's 5,001 Leicester City and Martin Tyler's bringing it up eight years later when the reality is they picked up two points in their last four games and finished behind Arsene Wenger's sleeping bag. Like it, 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 might, it might seem a bit harsh that I'm ignoring the fact that he, he cried after needing a 97-minute goal to beat Eric Ten Hag's Ajax to get the Champions League final. But do you know why he cried after that game? Because he thinks finishing second is an achievement. He thought he had achieved what he had to do there by getting to the final because he's a loser. He's like a fucking sinophobic postman. He never delivers. And now 
Here he is, manager at Chelsea, with the same record as Graham Potter, who had the same Premier League record as Al Edifax, Steven Gerrard. But because but because he went on Monday Night Football and sounded like he knew what he was just talking about in conversation with Jamie Carragher and Dave Jones, by the way, and because your pals in the media had a nice spread put on for them while they were watching decent football in their favourite stadium, we all have to <laughs> pretend like Maurizio Pochettino is a genius and he fucking humiliated us tonight. And that's the really frustrating thing. Getting knocked out of the cup is bad enough, but getting put out like that is horrendous. Yeah, that greatest achievement, that, that title run that they went on in 2016, they got 70 points. I mean, <laughs> whatever about them finishing 11 points behind 5,001 Leicester, they got 70 points. I mean, Villa are going to have to get a lot more than that if they want to come top four, probably top five. That's the reality of how football's changed now. And that's the reality of the sort of manager we're getting absolutely hammered by tonight. The only other person I really want to talk about going down, you can take your pick, really. I and mean, obviously, <laughs> obviously, Cash, Carlos, Longley are all going down. We'll have plenty of other chances to talk about them. Moreno wasn't good either. So everybody's going down. But Nicolo Zaniolo was going down as well because I didn't even realize he had come on until I saw Conor Gallagher take, take the piss out of him at the corner. And do you know what? Maybe I should just be impressed that he didn't foil him and start a fight or something like that. That he just he just took his beat. Yeah, I was actually saying, ah, go on, go on, just kick him into the corner flag. Go on, why not? Just add on another two minutes to my fucking night here. Take another two minutes off my life, pal. That's what I was expecting him to do. So yeah, maybe he should go up in the vitamin meter for not kicking Connor Gallagher. Although he should be going down in the vitamin meter for not kicking Connor Gallagher. Well, well done. We've got. Watkins for blocking down a goalkeeper, Diaby for miss hitting a ball, and Zaniolo for not doing anything in the corner flag. They're all going up. <laughs> we'll leave it there. Thanks a million for listening. Do share it on if you get the chance. We're going to be back on Monday for the United podcast. Remember that. Although I'm going to predict if you can't wait until Monday, just go back and listen to the podcast tonight or listen to the Newcastle podcast again. I'd say that's going to cover what happens on Sunday evening. <laughs> and that's something we all have to look forward to see you then bye bye Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.